Welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere, where CEOs, leaders, and experts at building teams, companies, organizations, and amazing cultures share how to lead from anywhere in the world. I'm your co-host on the East Coast, Judy Bianco Mathis. And I'm your co-host on the West Coast, Mitch Simon. And we invite you to join us to Team Anywhere. When the pandemic started, our great leaders told their employees to run for their lives. As we move back to the office, our great leaders know that the way back is to walk. Rob Locasio, CEO of LivePerson, the company he founded 25 years ago, shares with us that the greatest leaders today must provide certainty, clarity, and at the same time, authenticity. This is the time for leaders to recognize no one knows what the future holds. The best way forward is for leaders to share the truth about what they do know, not pretend they have figured out what they don't. Instead, leaders must listen to their employees to find out what their employees need to team anywhere. Hello and welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere. I'm your co-host, Mitch Simon, on the West Coast, and I've got my amazing co-host on the East Coast, Ginny Bianca Mathis. You got it. I got his name right. And of course, in the studio today, today on the podcast, we have Rob Locasio, who founded Live Person and has been its chief executive officer since its inception in 1995, making him one of the longest running tech CEOs in the world and also <laughs> proving that most of our listeners were not even born when he started this company. <laughs> so, um, so Rob, how are you? Good. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. All right, great. Um, we we always like to start, you know, with the question: What have you learned over the last year, and what has most surprised you? It's a good. It's a good question. I mean, the last year was for us as a company. We did just amazing things. The company, you know, had one of our best years in the history because we're in digital. Yeah, and we're transforming customer care into digital from phone calls and everything. But I think what's interesting right now, so I'll give you two perspectives. At the beginning of the COVID, it was about run for your life. And mm -hmm. we early on said everyone doesn't have to go to work. And we never tried to give hope. I wanted to give certainty. So I wanted to tell, so we told our employees, like, we're not going back to the offices this year, probably not next year, because I was reading what the experts saying, go do whatever you want to do, like, just be safe which actually seemed hard, but it turns out it was kind of easy because when you run for your life, people just run. Yeah. Now it's about getting back <laughs> or going forward. And it's a very different thing that people are dealing with, which is what, how do we want to work now going forward? And that's a much windier road than I think run for your life. Yeah. You know, I, I totally um, get that because that is, in fact, the new, what is it? Our new current situation is we now are going back, but we don't really know what that means. And not anyone has actually pierced that out except to say, you're going back. 
Right. And whatever back means. And then what happened, you're seeing is employees are like, no, I'm, I'm going to go back uh, three days a week. You're right. Uh, not Mondays and Fridays. And you saw they, a bunch of employees wrote a letter to Tim Cook and all that. Yeah. So we're, you know, I, I think it's going to be a little bit of a walk versus a run. And, um, you know, if you heard my earlier a year and a half ago, so you would hear me say, like, we're never going back to offices. Blah, blah. And and so our employees want to go back to connect. I just had an offsite with my leadership team. This is the first time in like two years in Miami. And, you know, I want to be with everyone. And and we spent three days together, had dinners together, hung out, talked about the business. And it's invaluable. And unfortunately, like 18 of us were together. And then there was another 10 people on video. And it was really hard for the 10 people on video. We, they were even talking about like, can, uh, I, I had three cameras set up, a camera behind and two cameras in the front. And we were all grouped. So, but it's just, you can't judge, you can't get the vibe in the room. You, you lose the vibe in the room through video. So what's your, what's your message? And I, I love your metaphors of the run and the walk. What's your message? We're, and we're going to get into what does live person do, by the way. Um, What's your message on how would you teach leaders how to walk right now? That's my question. How do you teach leaders how to walk right now? It's a good question. <laughs> Again, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, it's like what, when we started, uh, this one's going to be a little trickier because when we started, when COVID started, I'd been through already, I've been through the dot com. I went through nine 11 in New York city. And then I went through the financial crisis. So as a leader, especially 9-11 and the dot-com like was very, it had a very deep set of learnings for me. And financial crisis was a little bit like that, but I learned most of my macro impact stuff from, from that. And what I found was you got to lead with empathy. You have to basically listen and not try to lead like you're a. Uh, they always and I always feel like if I have this image in my head of uh, like King Arthur days or something where I'm leading it, charging the battle, and the, the image is always just like a leader charging and, and commanding. Mm-hmm. And there's a, and what they forget is there was a whole talk of people around the campfire about what we're doing. Like good leaders know, like get people around the campfire, listen to them, and then we'll take them to battle. So sometimes we forget that. So empathy is about being around the campfire, listen to them because because you're about to go through a battle and you have to be close to them and understand what are their needs? What are they fearful of? Now you feel for your lives. It's a whole other thing when you're fearing for your life. So here we are now on the other, no, we're not on the other side of this, but we're on some side of it better than a year and a half ago. And when you listen to the employees, it's a very mixed bag. Some people our younger group, young people want to get together. They want to like, now they want to get in offices and start working as part of their social life. Some people who are married and have kids and maybe don't live in the city, they don't want to commute. So this is a little, but they want to get together once in a while. So I don't have an easy answer. I know what my gut tells me. My gut says that we need to get people back together. I don't like the feeling that I can't see my people. Also, I've seen, I've had some people that have had health issues and I can't see it. Like I now I'm seeing some people that are, are, who, are, who I'm watching on video and they seem awesome, but they're having issues mm. and I don't see it because normally I'm in an office and I can feel it and I look at them and I'm like, something's wrong. I'll take them to lunch and what's going on. And 
And so I'm very concerned about feeling the business as a leader. I'm like, part of my job is to feel the business. And uh, I think we need to be in offices to have a feeling of the business and a feeling for people. If, if, um, if we can't necessarily have them in the office, what are some um, things that you've done to use that spiny sense to kind of judge that things aren't right? Or, or how do you even go about to figure out that something might not be right? I mean, uh, I brought, you know, I brought my, I, I kind of got like a couple of weeks. Ago, I was like, we're getting together. Okay. <laughs> we're just getting together. Like we have some big decisions we need to make. There's some important things going in the company. It's a very exciting time. We want to deploy capital. We need to hire people, but we need to get together to talk through this stuff and get aligned. And I think you just got to make the time as in getting together for two days, three days, if, you can, if you're not getting in offices. But I just think that this keeping people in the world's largest video game is not awesome. That's a nice analogy. All right, let me like- play devil's advocate. All right, Jenny. I do agree with you. There's incredible gain face-to-face. Uh, and I have also seen many leaders do some amazing things online in learning, which was a huge curve, learning how to use a Zoom and still see that someone's not dealing well, learning how to use platforms where they can share. Well, here's where I think we need to go on strategy. And to the point, seeing it being even better than sitting around the campfire because I can bring people in that normally they can see me, I can see them, they can't hide. All right. That, that's one thing. So um, how do you, because as you said, there's some people given the different ages, different life, um, are looking for some different things. How about a hybrid? Um, they, yeah, let's say the person says, I want to come in three days a week. Um, so you have meetings on those days. Yes. Yeah. Is that, is that viable to you? Yeah. That, I think, I think that's the way it's going to, it'll shake out is that it's going to be a walk as in we're thinking about getting like New York. We had, we had 200, we have 200 people in the Metro area. We had now we don't cause people <laughs> moved, but we're going to get an office there for start with 40 people uh-huh. as in a whole a capacity of 40 because people will come in and have meetings. They want to have more meeting space now than just sitting space. Yes. It's also very, it's very hard for engineers. Half our company out of our 1400 employees are engineers. It's very hard for engineers to uh, go uh, back and forth between an office and home because they have usually two screens. And like they don't, unless the two screens are somewhere, the idea of going into a WeWork and you're bringing your two screens, this is what we heard because we've been testing and learning on WeWork space in certain areas. And they're like, I, I, I can't bring my screens. And they're not working on laptops. They're working, you know, they're engineers. They've That's got, a great example. They're, they're coding and they're doing, yeah. So I think there's some logistics there that has to be worked out, but we'll work it out. You know, mm-hmm. so I said, you got to walk, you have to right. walk back in. Um, you know, I, I, look, I think that the problem, the, 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 I'm not coming from the Jamie diamond school of thinking, which is <laughs> like, I think his thinking is like, everyone's lazy and they're going to be home on Fridays and Mondays, not working. And I think that's a distrust right. from a, from his mentality. I'm not saying that's what he hundred percent, I'm not putting words in his mouth, but it seems right. like that's where it's coming from. Like we need people in the office. Cause I, you know, um, but I don't know. It's going to be, look, the good thing is we, we hire people now anywhere in the world. 
where right. in the past we were more office centric, we now have the ability to hire people anywhere, which is awesome. So, you know, I'm picking up, um, Rob is, uh, you're in the customer service business. <laughs> As a, that's the product, right? The product is customer service. It sounds like you actually listen. This is freaky, but you actually listen to your customers. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it, that's exactly right. So, I mean, it's once again, I go back to the empathy thing. It's there's, I guess sometimes we think of empathy in difficult situations, there's empathy in many situations. Um, what is it? What is that about? It's just trying to truly understand what are people looking for? What are they fearful of? Because the same thing, like people may have fear of coming back in the office for some other reason. I don't want to sit and commute. I don't want to waste time. I like that I can be closer to my family. You know, there was something there. So I, it's once again, I, it's, it's a little bit more of a Rubik's cube going back because there's many sides to many different people. Like each one of those dots represents a human. Yes. And they're all very different. Ultimately, though, we have to do what's best for the company. This is true. Yeah. So, and and it's and so ultimately, you know, as a company, we have to be together. We've got to hit our goals. We have to try to work the best we can. And I don't think any of us has really figured it out yet. The yeah. distributed workforce and how it really works. So, I do. I do hear though that if you know, if we were going to call this the, you know, the, if Rob, you know, he coins this term, the walk phase. I, I really hear that the walk phase that you're coming up with is is let's just go listen to what our what our employees are thinking. It reminds me, Rob, of the book, you know, the first 90 days. You know, so you have a you have a brand new you're a brand new CEO. You've walked into a brand new company, which is kind of what we're all doing today. Yeah. And what's the first what's the first thing you do for the first 90 days? You don't change anything. You just walk around and you listen. And and I also what I when I was also experienced and I don't know if you are Rob as well is you know, if you would ask your employees at the, we're, we're in the middle of June. If you'd ask them at the end of April, do you want to come back versus now in June when the state of California, we're, we're going to be completely open and Massachusetts, I know, is completely open. I think your answers of when you want to come back, do you want to come back? I think they're going to change pretty rapidly, but quickly. Which is the same thing, rapidly and quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what, what are you what are you experiencing because you're on the East Coast um, and you did well, first, have a large New York well, presence. Yeah. So first of all, just not to break the bad news, but like <laughs> we 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 work we've been working on at home COVID testing. We built technology for employees to take at home testing, like rapid testing. And we work with Citibank actually with their employees, exactly. and we're work- so we've been working with the the main scientists in COVID like Dr. Michael Mina, like the main people are on TV, like we work with them because that's how we developed our protocols and stuff. We're going to be spiking in Q4. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we will, this is, if you, if you look at like Dr. Michael Mina from Harvard, he plotted the whole thing and he continues to plot. Uh, this is a summertime down type virus, like the flu. Mm-hmm. And then it will, and then we will have very big spikes, not as many people dying, but we're going to have, Big spikes of COVID come September, starting in September, and it's going to go right all the way into February. And so, first, not the, not pushing our pushing the stuff we're working on testing. Like we're going to like it was this whole thing about our our offsite. People need to test. People want to come back. They're vaccinated. They're not vaccinated. I'm talking like the basic thing here. Yeah. So we need to test. If you want to, people won't feel comfortable getting together 
if they think I could get infected, if yeah. I could get a variant, if uh, how do I know that this person had the the vaccine or not? You know, let's start. To, also, vaccines wear off if you're older, like me, you can wear off quicker. I'm 53, so they wear off. Younger, not as much. So we don't know. And then you saw the CDC guidelines came out like last week it was ridiculous that they said like they don't want people to really testing to see how they're if they still have um, antibodies. Mm-hmm. It's like almost they don't want people to know if uh, if they're <laughs> if they can catch it or not. I mean, it's 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 the government hasn't been helpful. So what I'm trying to say is like everything looks like it's trending. So it looks like put people back in offices. What if COVID comes back? Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do? We're going to be back to again where we are. So. First, I think we need to make a safe environment for our employees, which includes testing. This is what we're doing. Citibank has been very, their chief medical officer has been very visionary, very forward thinking, and has brought the business back. Everyone needs to think like that. The second thing is then, is it, you know, how do you walk your way into like this, you know, part-time, they come three days a week, they they have meetings there. And then, and then I think you got to be really diligent on scheduling stuff because like, if it's just haphazard like show up, maybe you're going to have problems. So yeah. I think make, make meetings. Like I made a meeting in Miami, make a meeting. Part of the leader, like leaders all know this, like our job is to gather people. Mm-hmm. We have the power of gathering. So gather them, you know, and as quick as you can. And I would gather quickly yeah. before COVID hit spikes in January. I mean, December, you know, right. Like, so gather them I, now during the summertime. I love that. Uh, leaders have the power of gathering and, and I'm going to push on the notion and do it the best you can, whether that's going to be in person or whether that's going to be virtually. Because to your point, if we do have this spike, we're going to be moving back to more hybrid. And, and we need to be flexible and realize there's choices on the one hand, and yet realities on the other, as you point, at the end, we have to do what's best for the business. So there has to be compromises on, uh, you know, a certain amount. Yeah, I know you want three days a week, but you're only going to get two, you know, something that is, um, how are we going to make this work for everybody? And you brought it back to empathy. And uh, it, it goes back to the listening. Yeah, that Mitch was saying. Yeah, we don't know. Right. So I'm just wondering, um, getting back, um, if you were to describe the type of leadership um, that's needed today, especially in, in terms of, let's say, um, listening, being empathetic, um, planning, but knowing that um, all our plans are going to get screwed up because of this COVID second or third um, version, what, what would you um, be, what kind of knowledge would you, would you be imparting on leaders these days as, as to how they need to be and what they should expect? clear clarity like you got to be clear like it's hard to be this is the one thing i found it's hard to be very clear in macro events it, you know and but your job is to cut through the noise because it's usually there's like so much noise by the way you know as we know the macro event of covid then ushered in another event which is a focus on inequality yeah like a high like a focus inequality more than I've seen in my lifetime and it was always there, but this brought it out even more. So you had that part. So how do you give people clarity through that, you know, all of that. And so I think that's the role certainty and clarity is what 
people need to see. You know, like during the COVID, I, I sat in this chair here. This looks like I got this Oh, wow. Chair We're looking hand. at a chair which looks like a throne. Yes. Well, it's from King Arthur. No, I got this chair in Sicily in a in a uh, in a oh, antique store, and I shipped it back. And it used to belong to some palace, whatever. And it's not a throne, but it, it's funny. I would sit in there, and I didn't even notice because it was my normal chair. I haven't noticed because that was the chair that was in this office versus I have in like a normal chair. So I would sit in there and do the memes. People were like, "Oh my god, you're sitting in this chair!" And somehow they get a sense of like a heavy big chair. Like there's a sense of certainty with it. Wow, <laughs> like, smart. Like you look, you looked, and I wasn't doing it on purpose. Yeah. I, that was my only chair. They said, oh, you look, so, you look so calm. And the way you're talking is like you're not freaked out. And yeah. We're freaked out. Some of us are freaked out. And you're sitting in that chair. Like you're you're just sitting there doing work. And I'm kind of like, that's what people want to see. Mm-hmm. They, they want to see wow. the physical. They want to see the visual cues. Mm-hmm. And then they want to hear that you're not panicked. And, you know, we we had an employee die on us in uh, April and um, mm-hmm. from COVID. He's 23 years old. God. And God. and out of nowhere, within a week, he got got it and then went to the hospital, died three days later, and didn't seem to have any complications that we can tell. He was just 23 years old, engine, uh, data scientist out of Seattle. And I had to call his mother and father because they were in China. And he had no family here. So there I am. I'm, I'm with a group of employees because we his team leader and then there's a the, 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 the uh, unit leader want to talk to the family too. And we had a translator. And so, you know, even through that, I didn't expect on that day when I woke up in the morning, when we talking to some mom, which was, you know, when you talk to a mom and you tell her son's dead and he's 20 and it was their only son. I, I did the, the, it's, it's a a awful feeling, Mm -hmm. but I know, okay, I've got to, I want to be respectful to the family. I want to do everything I can to give them certainty that we're going to take care of their son's remains. And, and he had stuff to clean up financially and, you know, make sure we can take care of them, give them certainty that he's not going to be dumped on the side of the road in some morgue and forgotten. He's part of our family and we, we're his family here. So that's one level. Then the other thing is to the people who he worked with, they were young, they're young people who are now faced with mortality, Yeah, you know, in their twenties. So how do you give them certainty? It's like then you got Then we have a company as a whole, you know, and and everyone. Then we we announced that he passed away, and we did a ceremony for him and his family, you know, to respect them. And and, and everyone came in. And we we paid some nice words. But so I didn't expect it. But once again, even in that situation, it's like how do we give certainty all the way down the chain, so that everyone goes, okay, it's gonna be okay. We're in this together. Like all we have is each other right mm-hmm. now in this moment. And and they need to know that the company is not going to just forget them. That if something goes wrong, we're here to be with you. So I go back to, I'm giving them an extreme example that happened to me during COVID. Then it's just, I'm running the business and we need to make our revenue targets and do all that. But, you know, people need to know certainty. Now with that, unfortunately and or and fortunately is change yeah uh, we're in a company that changes every day we're a new company and they won't, people get thrilled by change you know we're not here to give them certainty about it we're here to go after big ideas so it's a balance between yeah you know, we're certain we're going after what we're doing but we're going after what we're doing is going to be a windy road and sit back and enjoy and we're also walking that's not certainty either right and we're, we're, we're walking because we're not too so that 
the balance uh, can you define the balance? Yeah, I mean, I, think, I mean, we I think, just threw it on the table there. It's the secret sauce. <laughs> but, but so I think the secret, I think the secret sauce is pretty straightforward. Um, people need to do the work. Like the only thing that frees us is work. Work is the the you know my some my grandfather said to me or my my dad said you know the the idle mind is the playground for the devil. Mm. Like people. If you're sitting there and you're thinking about you got you anything but so work frees us. Work allows us to. By the way, it's not just I'm talking about work here. It could be work on your health. Like people become more aware of their health. I've been more into my health. I want to own my health more than I did ever before. So the work allows us to continue forward and not have an idle brain. And idle minds are the playground for the devil. Like bad things happen with idle minds. People start to freak out. They get nervous. They start to think about stuff because the brain, you know, the reptile brain does that. Yeah. The reptile brain just makes us fear for our lives. So. So I guess, I guess as the, um, you know, as a leader, one of the greatest things you can do is provide certainty about what you're doing, what your company's up to, um, give people clarity on what they need to do to, to serve the company. And you're doing about the best thing that you can for people. Um, because there is so much uncertainty. So we're not going to focus on what's not certain. We're going to focus on really what we're all about as a company. And the values. The values. And I, I then mean, Rob, and you, then, you demonstrated the value of who and yeah. what you are. Well, that was that was a true that was yeah, that was a story that goes in a book. Mm-hmm. If you're writing Yeah, we, yeah. And, and and the other thing is that I think as leaders we gotta give ourselves a break. What I like we can be very hard on ourselves uh, and it's hard to do. Like I'm hard on myself a lot where I'm saying like, because we're living with things we don't control. We're, we're the reality is we're sitting on planet earth, which is in the middle of God knows where we have no idea floating around in something called a galaxy. And, a, and when you really pull back, you're like, and we're all, we're all okay with that floating on something that's floating by the way. <laughs> Like yeah, we don't live, okay. we, we, how many more, how many things in life do you float on? Like if you're ever on a float, you get off the float pretty quick. Like <laughs> it's fun for about five minutes on like on water. If you're ever on an object on water where you're floating, you're like, this is really cool. But you're not like, I am sleeping on the floaty thing. I mean, you may sleep, you may sleep on a, on a boat. I get I personally, unless it's a giant boat, I get nauseous. Right. Okay? Like even in a giant boat, you can get a little nauseous. But like no thing, like this is good for a couple of days. But some people love 365 days on boats. I get it. It's I'm using it as a little bit of a metaphor. But I'm just saying as like as an example, floating floating on in space, we're okay with. Somehow in our minds, we're okay. And it, I got. I'm saying it's the same thing. Like for for a, a leader, we have to give ourselves a break that there's a lot of uncertainty that we don't control all that much. Right that we tend to get really pissed off when, when we feel like the control we have seems to be taken away from us. And in a pandemic, a lot of controls, like right now I can be pretty angry about the fact that I don't feel very in control about the path forward, about this idea of where are we going to all work? Mm-hmm. And I'm getting, and some days I get really, I'm getting a little bit pissed off about it. I'm like, uh-huh. but then I, but then I realize like we're doing our best. I'm doing my best. I'm just doing what, and by the way, I'm in, uh, my competitors are doing the same thing I'm doing. Right. Like every company is dealing with the same stuff and no one has an edge right now. 
you know? And so like, I think the best thing we can do is try to just give ourselves a little bit of a break and just realize where we have a lot of things we're not in control of, like the basics of floating. So uh, telling the truth, truth, uh, being authentic and you come off by the way is very authentic. That is what the people want to see. And that gives them a sense of peace to navigate all that floating uh, in a way, because we know that there's I uh, someone that Mitch and I both know wrote an article recently on the psychology of um, having choices and how, on the one hand, we need choices that gives us a sense of ownership, um, a stake. Um, I'm going to be a part of this, yet you give us too much, too many choices and we get confused. So that balance is what seems what organizations are trying to deal with. But I think truth, I'll go back. I have a really good story on truth, like where I learned about this concept of truth. Mm. So I'm truth in business, which is different than truth in like when you're, you know, your, uh, your parents tell you like, always be truthful. Right. Yeah, and then when you're in business, business has a lot of gray areas to it. As right. in, I'm not talking about the moral gray area. I'm talking like there's black and white and stealing, cheating, and lying. I'm not talking about that. <laughs> That's like, but I'm talking about truth. So when I was 33 years old, yeah, 34 years old, we I went public at 33, and I was young. And then a year later, we're faced with laying off large char- chunks of our company. So myself and my CFO went to the board in February of 2001 and said, we're going to fire 140 out of 180 people. Wow. wow. Think of that, 140 to 180. Yeah. yeah. Down to 40 people from 180. So I remember we gave the plan and they were shocked, by the way. The board was like, I don't, you know, but it's a long story. I had a fear of losing the company because I lost my first company and that fear stayed with me and I wasn't going to lose mm-hmm. my second company. So I, I knew I needed to make drastic decisions. So Bob Matchalot, who was on my board and Bob, he was on the board of Disney for many years. Bob was like a vice chairman of Seagrams and Morgan Stanley, like an amazing guy. And he was a venture. He was in a venture fund that put money in my company and he joined the board. So Bob's like at the retirement age of his career at that time. And now he's, he's got a lot of wisdom. And Bob pulls me aside after the board meeting and says, you know, I want to give you a piece of advice. He goes, first of all, your plan that you laid out is pretty aggressive. And I don't know if you're going to make it. Hmm. Like, I don't know how you could take a company from 180 to 40. I don't know how that works. Firing like 70% of your employee base <laughs> and you stay alive. Someone, those people did work. So how does that get all done? <laughs> but you've explained you can, you don't know either. I'm okay with that. So the second thing is you're very young mm-hmm. and you have a whole career ahead of you. And once again, this may not work out, but I'm going to give you one piece of advice. Tell the truth. Wow. Your natural inclination is to tell everybody that it's going to be okay. And it's not. And you're going to fire people. You've never, fi- I never fired anyone up to that point. Your first firing is with a mass group of people and you're normal. You want to bullshit them and you want to tell the remaining people it's all okay. And you're going to bull, you're going to want to bullshit. You're going to want to bullshit your investors on quarterly calls. Now you want to tell everyone. And you, and he says, if you do that, he says, if you tell the truth, 
whether this works out or not for you, they will respect you and remember you. And you're going to have a future in business. Don't ruin it with this moment in time. Yeah. So I remember when we laid off, we did the layoffs, we brought everyone into a room, we handed them all an envelope. One said, come back for lunch and, and one didn't say anything. And if you had the not anything, it meant you had to leave in 15 minutes. We had guards at the door and everything. Cause it, back then it was like, there was a lot of bad things happening. Every, you know, we weren't the only one. There were layoffs all the yes, time. Yes. Yes. People came back from lunch and they were shocked. And it was emotionally, I cried because I had to lay off some people myself who I founded the company with, or, you know, I hired my first employees and I was, you know, not happy. And I was sad. And people, the first question was, are we going to have our jobs? Mm-hmm. And I said, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I said, if you need to make a decision based on that, then please make that decision. I will say this. I think we've done what we need to do to get us forward. And if you give it your all, I think we got a shot at making it. But do but make a decision. When nine eleven happened, we watched the towers come down. Same thing. Employees came, and I said, "If you don't want to be here, don't be here. Mm-hmm. We're not like I'm not going to play the rah rah with you. I'm, I don't want to be responsible for your life. So it's hard to do that on investor calls. I got on the calls with shareholders. Terrible calls with our shareholders. All I'm saying is like the truth does help. And if it turns out it doesn't feel good. At least they know you told the truth. Yeah, that's right. And I think this is a. I, first of all, it's an incredible story. Thank you for that story. Totally. Um, and I, I think it's it's really um, a great way to close out this interview, which is, you know, this new time, um, we're going to walk because we were certain on the run part. <laughs> we're absolutely certain. We got to go. You got to get out of here and um, take care of yourself. But on this walk, we don't know. I don't know. And uh, let's just be frank and honest. And I think that's the best way to to get employees to follow you and, and for, to get employees to be open and vulnerable and and to um, to respect their leaders and respect the company. Yes. I, I love how here we are, you know, this, this worldwide uh, influence and pandemic. And given your stories and everything you've experienced, it comes down to in the office, out of the office, whatever – the trust, the empathy, and the truthfulness. I love it. And we've always said it. that. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Anywhere. Trust, From empathy, anywhere. and truth. And I think it I think it's I just think you're you're right on. These are the things that'll get you through it and and forgiveness. You know, like ah, er, er, you know, because people it's you know, we all make mistakes. Like I think the hardest thing is to say I'm sorry. Like the one thing I've learned over the years is that like I have the power to say I'm sorry. So I was. I also have the power to make bad mistakes and say bad things. I'm not not you know super yes, bad things, yeah, but exactly. but there's some things where you get angry at people or you do yeah. something. But you can pick up the phone the next day and say I'm sorry, and it gives you the freedom to 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 move forward because the most the worst you can do is say I'm sorry. And that and that is good enough on most days. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't throw it around. I mean, you don't throw it around like a like cheap. Yeah, but I'm saying like if you use it correctly, then you know as a leader, even if you don't do it right, you have the power of apologizing. You have the power of apologizing, and that's something that's it's hard. Like even my kids, I have a four year old and a three year old and a, and a four month year old. Like my sometimes my kids, the hardest things for them now they're getting used to it. Is saying I I can't you say say you're sorry to your brother my my son right right she just sits there 
And they and you're just like, just say the words, even if you don't mean it. I almost, you don't say that. Yeah, no, yeah, I know. Right. Yeah, I know. <laughs> never, we do. Like, no, we do. Right. Just say it. Just say I'm sorry. And literally, they will walk away. Yeah. You know, sometimes they will walk away, and and be punished for for not yeah. just saying two words. It's the, the struggle thing. with the ego. That's the, they're going through that developmental stage. Wow. Wow. Right. Okay, well, they have power. They have yeah. power, those words, those two words. They do. Obviously have power because a child who doesn't even know what they're about knows deep down, these, these, I don't want to yeah. say what this is. <laughs> so funny. So funny. All right. Well, I'm sorry because we, we're coming to an end. Oh, right my now. God. Um, Rob, how can people contact you, find you, if they want to uh, learn more about you or learn more about Live Person? Yeah. So um, if you go to – I put this podcast out called Over the Wall, and I've been interviewing okay. people – um, from like, from Ed Norton, the actor to, uh, uh, you know, um, astronauts to, you know, all sorts of people that, that are really Deepak Chopra and, and all people that I think really have interesting things about being an entrepreneur and, yeah. and, and working through the mental game. And so you can check it out at over the wall. And it's on all the podcast platforms. Right. You can see me on social. If you want to you can email me at Rob at liveperson.com. If you really have a question for me or something, I'm always here to help people help to me all the time. So, um, however you want to get to me, you can get to me. Great. Wow. Well, thank you, Rob. This is just a, such a great interview. This has been um, fabulous. Thank yeah. You. Great stories. Uh, great uh, vulnerability, great energy. Um, and so to our great listeners, um, if you've loved this episode, which we have, please share this episode with your friends and colleagues. And uh, I want to thank you, Rob. I want to thank you, Ginny, and thank all of Ginny. our listeners. And we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Team Anywhere. Anywhere.